And I think the the action of promoting, you know, a mostly white people to, you know, senior level positions to help shape the future of your agency shows me that's like, okay, like you're locked into 10 years of like nothing that's really different and you're not holding your own selves accountable. We're back, baby. (laughs) We are back. It's Sunday, the time that we're recording this right now. It's a cloudy day, but we're still breathing. Everything is still all good. How are you doing? Man, we're still breathing, but like at what cost? Not like at what cost. (laughs) No, I'm I'm kidding, man. Blessed Blessed to still, you know, be healthy during the pandemic, but... You know, we're in Ontario, we're both in Ontario, and right now we're in our third or fourth, I'm losing track, lockdown, and it's just, it's weighing heavy, it's weighing very heavy, man. Yeah, man, I feel that 100%, and like we were kind of talking before the show, it's like, I feel like a lot of people had, like, their, like, great, everyone has a breaking point, right? And like, I remember last year, like when this whole thing started to go down and especially around this time last year, like in April, like I remember like people like starting to like get antsy and start to freak out, get anxious and stuff like that, which is natural, obviously. Right. But I I didn't really feel that same level of like anxiety, like the desire just to like get back to like normal obviously i figured that like things would have worked themselves out by now yeah. but now like i'm getting to a point where like i feel like i've been so mentally strong all things considered and then with this recent news of like the latest lockdown like third or fourth one honestly you tell me like i'm yeah, losing yeah. track here i feel like it's getting to me now i feel like it's like uh i'm having a hard time waking up with, you know, motivation, you know, starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And like, I know that those are all things that like I'm excited for in terms of like things, you know, settling vaccines, getting rolled out and stuff like that. But I have to admit like this, this latest lockdown news and killing cases, the cases going up is it's weighing on me mentally, man. Like it's tough. I think, you know, two things for me, the first is that we got a taste of like somewhat normal life during the summer last year. And I yeah. was like, okay, this is what it's going to be like. We're going to be able to go to retail stores with masks on and hang out in parks. And this will just be life for a while. And then the lockdown came again and it was like, okay, never mind. But for me, it was during the winter. So it was like, I'm kind of okay with this. Like I'll stay <laughs> inside and then we come back out in spring and we'll have a great time. They kind of did that for two weeks and then another lockdown hit. And it's just like that constant up, down, up, down movement that I think is hitting me harder um, because you get that taste and then it gets pulled away. You get the taste again and then it gets pulled away. And then you're looking at, you know, New York and uh, Los Angeles and Atlanta and places like that that have way more people than Toronto and they're like open. Yeah, They have plans to fully open up and you're like, what are we doing wrong? You know, why can't we be in that position? And why are vaccines taking so long? That know? and that and that's the biggest thing, man. And you know what? Like going into the winter, like especially in November uh twenty twenty, like we knew yeah. this like second wave was was 
going to be hitting. We knew it. But yeah. to your point, it's like, listen, like I'm going to be stuck inside anyways. I'm going to be, you know, just in my house during the winter. I have no real need to like go no. out. I'm lucky yeah. enough that I can be working from home, all that like normal stuff. Mm-hmm. And my hope was that by the time that winter is kind of over a little bit, we would be, you know, well underway, you know, with the vaccine stuff as we yeah. should be. Yeah. You know that should have I mean? been the plan. And, and, you know, and I feel like it was, and I just, now we're in a situation where we're, you know, the the vaccines at this point, it's what, April 11th today, Mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're rolling out quicker than I had seen in the last, you know, couple of weeks. And I'm, I'm thankful for that, but it's just like, man, like we were so slow and it's so hard to see other countries like the United States who were in way, way worse positions than we were. Man, you know, yeah. We were laughing at them last year. We're like, you yeah. know, <laughs> they like, just, yeah, they're crazy. They just overtook it. And yeah. you know, I feel like that's starting to to weigh in on, on the frustration for me. And it's, it's taking a toll. And like, I don't know. I'm lucky because like, again, like I have a job that I can yeah, work yeah. from home. I, I don't really have any major, major worries other than just the desire to like want to go out for dinner with my friends and stuff like yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, not, not everybody is privileged in that way. And, you know, you know, businesses closing down uh, affects their, you know, their jobs and their income and stuff like that. And it's just like, man, like you're, we're really like, not playing games with with people's mental health um but i just feel like it's it's this roller coaster that's really affecting a lot of people right about now and i feel like in the first like last year it was about protecting like your physical health and making sure that you're not getting you know you're being safe you're not contracting covid like you're not going to parties and stuff like that which is like still very very much the case but Mm -hmm. i feel now also the the effects of the mental side of things are something that like, I think we should really, really seriously start to consider um, as you know, we are going through this up and down for, for months seemingly. Yeah. Cause like, I even think about, you know, when that lockdown came in the winter, I was still in my very productive phase where, you know, I was taking on freelance projects. I was like doing these, uh, you know, side projects on the side while working nine to five and everything and just enjoying being kind of busy and then I kind of hit that wall I would say even start of spring maybe earlier than that where it was like after work I don't want to do anything like I just want to I just want to chill I don't want to take on any projects I just want to watch shows and like sleep in and stuff like that and that's kind of where I'm at now you know where it's like that's my mental state where it's like I just you know I don't want to burn out so I just don't want to do anything that's going to lead me to that just want to hang out so I'm kind of wondering when things do open up and like when we are able to go to the office and stuff like that. Like, I just don't want to have this like negative attitude or like, you know, be like slow moving and things like that. Like, I want to have that point where I can pick it back up and get back to myself, but not yeah. really, not fully there, you know? It's really interesting that you bring we it up. We have hard combos here on the Mad Mix. But. It's, it's <laughs> and, and, and like, you know, we'd be, we'd be lying if we both of us said that like things were fine and you know we're okay like we're going through like a lot of stuff right now man and i feel like remember the beginning of the pandemic last year when it was all about okay like you know we got to stay motivated you know find something to do make sure you stay active like which are all things definitely continue to do but i think the point of 
where we're at right now, it's like mentally, I'm just exhausted. And to your point, it's like, all I want to do after work is just play video games or just like watch something on TV. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? But even then, like, I don't get really that much fulfillment from those types of things anymore because like I've been doing it for the last year. And, you know, I, I find that, you can only play 2K for so long. It's <laughs> 2K that I can play, man. And, you know, it's it's a challenging time of year, I think, for, for a lot of people as the weather starts to get nice, as people, like, naturally want to start going back outside and, you know, getting back into, like, their workplaces and stuff, finding that level of motivation and, and is, is going to be very tricky, I feel. Because I'm right now I'm so conditioned to working from home that, like, the things that I do – in my home right now, like while I'm working that are, I would never really do like no. when I'm in the office. Like no. I would be like, like go walk around the block or go in my backyard for a sec or just like go on my phone for 10 minutes and just, you know, in the office that looks strange, you know, yeah, you're just yeah, sitting yeah. at your desk on, on your phone and just chilling, you know, taking a quick little 10 minute break. Like why not? Yeah. You know? So it'll be interesting to see, you know, how we can kind of train ourselves a little bit more to make sure that, we're getting back to that point when, you know, when the time comes, I think that there's going to be a lot of like question marks around like, you know, work uh, return to office policies and all that kind of stuff. But we'll wait and see. But I think for the foreseeable future, stuck at home. <laughs> but It's sad, man, but it is what it is, right? It we'll is get through it. it. Is, we'll man. Get through it is what it is. Let's get on with the episode. Let's do uh, it. And we, we will close this these, this episode out with a with some positive stuff, some highlights, uh, things that we've been thinking about. It's always good to to make sure that while we do shine light on some of the negative things and have these tough conversations, it's also good to highlight the positives. But we'll talk about know. that a little bit later on in the episode. Let's try yeah. to these. Um, you know, it's been what a couple of weeks since we last spoke about. Um, the, the NFT situation. And personally, I'm seeing everything kind of blow up. I've seen so mm-hmm. much coverage, so much like, you know, um, like so many articles about it, so many like memes, so many like media outlets posting, you know, on Instagram and stuff that, yeah. uh, you know, selling moments, all that kind of stuff. It, it's, it's coming into the forefront. And I feel like while we're still, figuring this out like what exactly this means and how to like really capitalize on this it's really interesting to like begin continue to have these conversations and i feel like brands now are looking at this as an opportunity to say okay like how do i get myself involved with this versus just like selling moments in time you know what i mean yeah have you seen any other brands kind of get involved since the ones we spoke about last time well i don't know if it counts as brands but like i saw like the like the Nate Robinson, Jake Paul fight or whatever. Was oh, say word. Like <laughs> bucks or something like that, or like an image or like a, like a clip from it, like where he like knocks him out or something is like worth X amount what? of Yeah, man, it's stupid. That like, might be Triller. They were the people that put that together. So maybe yeah. as a brand, they sold that. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah man. Or like one, like who's really going to buy that? Like, I don't know. Like that's not really an iconic moment Jake at all. Paul? Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> or whichever one it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's kind of interesting to see like the development of this a little bit more because you were, we're right now. Like I think that like, part of the conversation that we were having in the last episode was I feel like brands, uh, maybe brands aren't the right word, but like marketers, let's yeah. call it media outlets, owners of media 
are finding ways to to monetize on moments that have already happened. But I think the the potential with NFTs is capitalizing on things that haven't happened yet and assigning value mm-hmm. to that and seeing how it goes. Like it'll Kinda be like really, betting. It's like sports betting in a way or something like that. Yeah, like 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 a, like buying a moment of I don't know. Uh, like LeBron James coming back, uh, you know, from his injury and it's like his first game back and then, you know, his first bucket or like he does the chalk throw or whatever in his first game back, like assigning yeah, the value yeah. to that specific moment when it hasn't even happened yet. And what's the worth of that over time? Like you just, you just don't know. Yeah. It's just like, I can't even wrap my head around cause it's, it's untangible, right? Like that's the whole kind of point of this thing, but that's why I just can't like the way my mind works is like, I need to see it. I need to be able to hold it. I need to be able to like mark a value via being tangible. Like I can't think of a moment and how I could potentially own it. Like, yeah. Is that a video clip? Is that NFT art? as just like a pixelated static art drawing. Is that, you know, what does that digital ownership look like of a moment? I can't even wrap my head around yeah. it's, how how to start that, how to like assign value to that, how to bid for that. It's just it's mind blowing, really. It's mind blowing, man. And and you know, I've had a couple conversations with with some of my friends and um, you know, people in my network about about them. And it always comes back to that same thought. It's like, how do I capitalize on like it's like it or why would someone buy this if it's on youtube and i can watch it for man yeah and like that's the question that i can't get over because i'm like i don't know how to answer that like i think there's something kind of interesting and like owning a moment but like if it's not a physical thing like what does that mean for us? And like, because as humans, we're so used to assigning value to physical things. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's like, we don't, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be physical. I kind of wonder if this is going to fall flat, to be honest. (laughs) It might, man. Honestly, it might. Yeah. I think I'm starting to think that way because in order for this to take off, you need general people to be interested and, and, um, participating. And most people don't even have crypto or, to be honest, a lot of people don't even know what it is. And that's how you purchase NFTs, right? Yeah. So I just, I see it being either, you know, I know it's a trend right now, but I don't really see it going upwards, to be honest. Like brands are getting involved, but I don't know if I would advise every single brand to think of an NFT strategy. Like, I don't think Walmart needs to think <laughs> of <laughs> what yeah. our NFTs are because like the your customers don't, give a fuck like your customers are very price conscious very price sensitive like it just wouldn't really align to those values so i think some brands it works when you're like like slim gyms you know we were talking about last time (laughs) (laughs) i think they could do it you know they have that kind of you know fun kind of adaptable brand where they could just try new things but some of the legacy brands i don't really see them benefiting from this market yeah like what's what's the opportunity with them And it's like, what's the opportunity with like a brand like, let's say, like McDonald's or like your Walmart as well? Yeah, yeah. You know, these big Ford, even like, you know what I mean? Like, what 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 is the value? Like, what can you, what can you really capitalize on? What can you take from that? And I just don't know if that that exists. But like we said in the last episode, it's very contingent on the brand, 
like the category, all those different types of things that I think make a, will help inform the direction of where this stuff goes. But like, it can't be like pizza hut doing that thing was just like, okay, like cool. Like you're an early adopter and I respect that because like you're pushing and you're trying to do something, but it's also like those investments don't always pay off. So what is this going to look like in, in 10 years time? I still think there's a lot of potential, but it's almost too early. Yeah, yeah. But it's just like early predictions being an early adopter to something like that, like Taco Bell, Pizza Hut definitely helps them because they can kind of set the blueprint. Um, and, you know, I've been hearing about like the environmental impact of NFTs as well, that kind of being a trade off. But I think, you know, if anyone is an NFT expert or knows someone that is hit us up in the DMs, like we'd love to have yeah. you here because we can only give you so much like we're just kind of trying to learn. But there are people that are making serious money. There are people that are really invested in this that would be sweet if we could, you know, talk to and gain some insight from what does this actually mean? And like, where do they see this going? You know, is this yeah. a fad or, or what, you know, yeah. that's it's probably it. the best way to move forward <laughs> instead of me and you just like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. thinking of random scenarios. So more, more to come on, on a, you know, future NFT follow-up. You could buy the first Mad, Mad Mix podcast for uh, X amount of dollars. I think I made <laughs> the that same first episode. podcast episode. That'd be sick. Yeah, you could own it. Yeah, I got to go back and listen to that. It's probably really cringe, but probably hey, trash. You know. really <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, we move. We move this you know. same mic that I'm recording on right now, too. It's just like oh, both man. of us on the one mic yes. too, and now we have. Our <laughs> oh man! Oh man! It is what it is. Moving, moving on though. Um, our first kind of you know main topic. We were reading. I was reading you know a strategy article. I, I passed this on to to you and some other folks. But Zulu Alpha Kilo, which is a Toronto agency, I think they're only based in Toronto. Um, they basically made headlines for promoting eight of their employees to more senior positions, saying that they want to re-engineer itself for the next decade. And looking at this article, it's very plane you know you see the you see the the main image and you can notice there's only one person of color everyone else is white and when i read that you know with everything going on with agencies kind of you know committing to more diversity and agencies starting to look more internally i see that as seven white people to re-engineer the next decade of zulu and to me that communicates that the next decade of growth is still white it's white focused you know, that's that's what I see, at least. And when I see something like that, it's like, OK, so you're not as committed to diversity as you had mentioned, as you had signed your commitment um, with POCAM and said that you would be, you know, hiring more diverse talent. Um, I hope that doesn't just mean junior positions, because the way for this stuff to actually make a difference is at the executive level. And you just made a statement basically saying that the next decade of growth is still white. Yeah. I wonder what what you think when you look at an article like that. Same kind of thing, man. It been unfortunately, it doesn't surprise me. Like advertising, like one of the first one of the first reactions that I had to that was like, "Wow, this is like such like a typical advertising move." Just like mm-hmm. you know, no action but all talk kind of thing. Um, and you know, it's disappointing like to to see this. You know, at, at the end of the day, like I'm not going to go work at Zulu anyway. I was so just going like, to say that. Yeah, you know, it doesn't doesn't really matter to me. Like it's like I'm more speaking from the commentary of a black person who's you know 
seen a lot of talk go on in the last year or so in, in the industry. And you know, like Zulu's not a bad agency; like they're a well well known agency. Like one yeah, of the, yeah, you know, in, in the country, without a doubt, they've had a lot of success. But when you see, when I see, like they want to re-engineer themselves for the next decade, like in their eyes, like I'd be interested to hear from from someone on there to like, like what does that look like? Like what does that mean? Like define re-engineering because yeah. when when I think of re-engineering, I think of bringing in people with, you know, different perspectives. And it's no disrespect to any of those, I think, eight or nine people in that group who received the promotion. It's no disrespect to them. Like they are, I'm sure, all very talented, you know, smart people that can contribute sure, a lot, sure. a lot to the agency. Right. But like what is it like, what does that mean? And like I think like re-engineer is, is very specific when you talk about, especially given the context of everything that's happened last year. Yeah. What does change mean? Change doesn't mean hiring more, you know, black people to work at your agency. Change means like bringing, to your point, you know, people of color to the highest levels. And, you know, you see the effects of everything kind of like trickle down, right? You have like a specific vision or you have a specific, um, you know, idea of how you want to change and how you want to bring change. It makes it easier to do when you have people who have the experience of, you know, having a different, you know, skin color than you. Yeah. yeah. Different experience to come to the table and like talk about and, and help shape the direction of your agency. Like, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's disappointing to see stuff like this because again, like we talk about this probably every single episode, it's like, Actions speak a lot louder than words. And I think the the action of promoting, you know, a, mostly white people to, you know, senior level positions to help shape the future of your agency. The next decade. Yeah, like shows me that's like, okay, like you're locked into 10 years of like nothing that's really different and you're not holding your own selves accountable for um you know, an active decision that you had said last summer. So it just, it's all performative to me. hundred percent. And like you had mentioned at the start of this year, like I wouldn't work for Zulu, but like even for someone that, you know, maybe is young in the the industry and looks up to Zulu after seeing something like this, like as a black person, I would just be like, nah, I'm good. Cause like, I don't see myself reflected in the next decade. Yeah. You know, I, you guys have literally said, I want to know what they mean by re-engineer, right? Because when I read that, just plain blank period, I just see, okay, so the next decade is what these people look like, you know? Yeah. And yeah. maybe that's not true. Maybe there's a different meaning, but that's the way I take it. You know, I've seen it on Twitter, a lot of conversations with, you know, black folks as well in advertising. They're seeing it the same way that I am. Language yeah. is super important. Re-engineer for the next decade is... yeah pretty clear to me (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. it's like it's like okay like what what does this tell me it tells me that there's no place at the table for someone like me to be there as well yeah and and to have you know help shape you know the future of the agency and you know what it's just it's just one of those things that we continue to see and like zulu is just one example of many agencies oh, who for sure. made similar changes in the last year that just like aren't being spoken about so it's like it's they're not the scapegoat mm-hmm. here like this exists with many many agencies 
you know, that I've, you know, know people who work at them. And like, it's just, man, what did we, what did we do last summer? Like, what did we say <laughs> we're going to do? Like, you know, one thing that I was thinking about here, like it's, why don't, why don't we do like uh it'd be interesting to see if Polcam did like, and maybe they are doing it like, uh, yeah, like a follow-up, like a one year kind of like review and summary of kind of like where you're at. And I think like to, to quote Stephanie small real quick, show me the receipts. Right. Like, I think we're at that point now where, yeah, like you're right. I think, you know, it would be great to talk to Polcam about that and almost just like, take a look at you know it's a year later was this performative activism or are you guys really about it you know which agencies have kind of moved forward and really put through a plan i know when we spoke to stephanie small uh in january she mentioned taxi was really the only one or one of the only ones that were still doing anything so yeah you know four months later has that changed i doubt it would have improved if anything so we need to start applying pressure again if anything and, and that's the thing, like, and you know what, like, I recognize that change takes time. And yeah, right. I, I flip flop in my mind between being like, oh, you should communicate these things versus not communicate these things to the public. Because like, when you communicate things to the public, you're basically saying like, you can hold me accountable for X statement. Right. Yeah. And right now, like, I just don't, I don't see anybody really holding agencies accountable for the things that they're making other than like black people being like, Hey, like Zulu, like, by the way, like that's kind of fucked. And I'm sure that there's like been that conversation that's been had already with Zulu. Um, But when I look at like other agencies that have done the same thing, just haven't like announced them in the same type of way, they're probably looking at that being like, Oh shit. Like hopefully we don't get caught versus like, recognizing that there's like an actual problem that needs to be addressed, like changing your leadership. Like I I've seen so many of the same people get promotions at different agencies throughout the last year when it's like, okay, look, but what about this? Oh, well like it's, here's the plan and here's the, here's the action for this. Okay, great. Uh, but we did hire X amount of black people last summer and like, here's what we donated to this. And here's like, you know, I'm just yeah, I'm yeah. Tired of hearing excuses. And I, I think like seeing where agencies are at in, in a year's time, I think will help indicate to a lot of like black people trying to get into advertising, not which agencies to go to, but which agencies to stay away from. Mm. I like that. That's powerful. Um, yeah, cause I only, I only really see black people still having the conversation. Number one, like, you know, we're the only ones that are like, Hey, you said you were going to do this and you didn't do this. And it's like, where are, you know, our allies at this point, you know, the people that said they were, you know, down for the movement and down to kind of help out. I want to see some more of their voices challenging on their agencies. Like, yeah. you know, this may be not even the best example, but like the CEO of taxi, like, yo. You know CEOs at other agencies. Maybe you need to publicly call them out. Maybe not the best example, but something like that where it's like, you know, we kind of need everyone's help to make this a core focus again. This can't just be a a summer topic, a fall topic of 2020. And then now black people, black people are the only one on the soapbox screaming like, hey, show me the receipts. It's like, you know. Yeah, it's just like you guys got to do that stuff too. And it, it all exactly. comes from performative activism. And, and, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of agencies are probably looking at like their hiring practices and identifying that like 
not everybody can go to a Miami ad school and we're missing out on like a huge, huge talent pool that doesn't even know that they could have a career in advertising. And a lot of like their initiatives with like maybe internship programs or, um, you know, doing getting more involved at the high school level, uh, you know, in, in diverse areas um, is something that like, I'm sure many agencies have kind of like identified that and have explored it or, and are actively in the, in the process of defining like how that can help funnel some of like their, and like develop their recruitment strategy in terms of getting people of color into the agencies and advertising and understanding that that's a career for them. But it's like, man, like when you look at, when you understand like the reputation and the history of advertising, especially in the last, I don't know, like 10 years, like it's a white industry, like it's, and it doesn't really appear to be changing. So the message that I get, uh, you know, and I know it's only been a year since like we've made these statements and all that kind of stuff. And like, it's like, well, why do I want to be a part of this? If like none of this stuff has actually changed because it's damaging in the long run to continue to like promote, you know, the same types of people hire the same types of people after you've made this statement, because it just says to me, it's like, well, there's no place for me here. Right. Yeah. And I think the, I think the unfortunate thing is that I think there still are, well, obviously there are, there are a lot of people at high positions in advertising white people that don't care that much because yeah, you know, they're getting promoted the same. They're doing their job the same. It's not affecting their salary to, you know, hire more black people. Like that's not a core focus for them. And that's the issue where it's like, you know, they might just see this as like a light issue. Like they'll figure it out. It's not on me to, you know, decline a position in favor of a black person in a leadership role. You know, they're, that's not a reality for a lot of people. And I think yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the kind of main problem that we have is, you know, it starts top down. And if the leadership isn't committed to this stuff, then it's hard for, you know, a mid-level kind of black employee to change the landscape of, of the agency. Yeah. It's, it's tough, you know. Yeah. Again, to bring up Black Taxi, like Stephanie Small, she was able to do so via the help of senior leadership, via the help of the CEO. I think that's when that works the best is when you have full alignment of the executive level Mm -hmm. versus you just kind of really grassroots trying to make these changes because people are going to look at you like, you know, what are you doing? And you're just spending all this extra time, not getting paid extra for it. It, It's tough. It's tough to enact change when you're, when you're on your own. So yeah. How do you do it? How do you do it? Yeah. It is what it is. I don't know. We'll, we'll, you know, I think we mention it every episode. We say the word performative, you know, so it's something that we'll keep our pulse on. Definitely want to get in touch with Pocam and see if we could do some sort of like year follow up and we'll kind of let you guys know where, where that ends up. 100%. 100%. But moving on, um, interesting time of year. Uh, the 2021 creative report card. Uh, came out. I think. What's that? Well, it's definitely (laughs) not. No accounts person is involved in. Shout out to my fellow accounts people for this one. No, (laughs) but I don't know. It's yeah. Shout out to awful. Um, It's so essentially what this is is um, it's like a ranking system um, that you know comes out every single year, um, showing kind of like in 
numerical order, uh, the ranking of the different talent that exists uh, in the advertising industry. And it's categorized by agency. Uh, it's categorized by, uh, you know, brands. It's categorized by individual people like art directors, copywriters, planners, designers. Yeah. And, it, and it's basically just like a way that I to quote strategy online strategies creative report card tracks and tallies awards taken home by agencies advertisers and creatives over the past year to help the marketing community know who's at the top of their game so okay mm. cool yeah for what i'm just gonna come out there and like it's Man. no disrespect because i i know a lot of the people on that list and i know that they're great and i know yeah. that like every person that i know on that list is or on these lists is amazing you know what I mean? But like, what is like, what does this do? Like, what does this mean? Other than just say like, Hey, I'm the number one ranked or like I'm the number 17th ranked, you know, copywriter in the, in the country. I don't know who that is, but like, you know, what is, what does it do? How do you define that, man? Like, I, I hope I don't get any flack for this. I, to be honest, I don't really care, but I think, man, like, I just think it's so hard to say that, like, to that example, like, these are the top 10 copywriters in the country, like, says who, like, what do you mean? This is, this is subjective, like, this is, it's creative strategy, sure, but a lot of what we're putting out is subjective. You mm -hmm. can't actually say that this copywriter is um, miles ahead of this other one just because of, you know, an award an award that yeah. is also subjective you know yeah um, and again not to take that away you know i know people are able to advance their careers through kind of recognition and awards through this i'm not you know ever pointing out that someone doesn't deserve to be on that list i just think right. the idea of the list in general is like not needed you know yeah like, like i help? don't yeah like how did like what does this do and you know i think it kind of like I had a bit of an interesting perspective on this one after thinking about it a little bit more because it's like obviously being a high rank is something that probably everybody on on that list or everybody in the industry is like envious of. They want to be like the number one ranked whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Right. And how do you get there? Okay, you got to win awards. Well, how do I win awards? Okay, I got to like make creative work that's going to be recognized by our industry which is what I think the problem kind of is from my standpoint, because it's like, if you go into the industry with like uh, a plan to be like, well, in order for me to be the best and the best ranked, I have to win an award. So you're not really thinking necessarily of how can I like develop creative work that can help support a business and help support like some kind of like no. marketing initiative. You're For thinking yourself. about it from like a selfish, selfish, standpoint in that what you're going to do is is only for the sake of of getting this rank that's only really that only really matters i would argue to like people within the industry and like what does that really matter because advertising isn't about ourselves or shouldn't be about ourselves but it is a lot of the case a lot of people yeah, yeah. um but how like effective your work is and how like your ideas can help like move a brand forward and I, I think that just like there's just so much work that happens in advertising that is just like so obviously developed for the sake of like getting a reaction or like, you know, um, winning some type of award to get on these lists that matter for what.
Yeah, and, you know, I want to kind of reiterate that I'm not attacking anyone that's on the list. I think they're just playing the game of the, yep. the system that's created, where it's like the value of a art director, a copywriter, a designer is what awards have you won? That is like their resume, and that's what they need in order to advance. And I think just that whole system doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it's the way it's created, so you kind of just have to play the game. So you're not going to take on certain certain um, projects if you're at that kind of senior level where you can choose because you know that this project based on this brief is not going to really lead to award-winning work. So you pass that on to the junior person or you pass it off to the side. And I experienced that a lot when I was an account person where creatives were able to say, hey, I don't want to work on this thing. And you kind of know, you start to learn why after a while that it's like, this isn't going to produce groundbreaking can winning thumbs up (laughs) (laughs) work you know what i mean and i think that's just a reality i don't know how that changes don't know if it ever will but i could care less about you know a creative report card yeah man doesn't mean anything yeah and you know reiterating again everyone who's on that list is you know fantastic people i know a lot of people on that list and they're playing the game but like it just i don't know i i just don't see the value in something like this i'd love for someone who has who is on that list who has like a bit more of like a creative side pov on like why it's super important but i just feel like it's a little superficial um to be creating work only for the sake of getting awards because it's like that, that doesn't really matter or mean anything to anyone outside of advertising in general right and advertising is supposed to be about moving a business forward i would say yeah yeah and it's like you see the same agencies on all of these lists of yeah. like all the time every year and it's like are the you know obviously you know great agencies i've worked at one of them um like are these the best agencies in canada you know are they putting out the best work are there smaller shops that maybe don't recognition don't get recognition but they're putting out incredible work providing incredible value for the brands that don't get any kind of don't care about awards so they'll never be on a list like this i don't know there's a there's you know an aspect of playing the game and kind of politics behind this stuff but um we're we're not gonna we're not gonna solve the industry on this podcast so 100 so moving on um freshy a you know qsr focused around you know healthy eating like they have a lot of like wraps and salads and stuff like that um has announced that they're going to be expanding a little bit more into the health and wellness space which is kind of an interesting you know brand move which is why i want to talk to you a little bit about it um so obviously they're known for their you know health food options like as a healthier alternative to like um you know fast food in in the qsr space they're you know they've decided to to have a look at you know the the supplement and um you know vitamin space which is kind of interesting because i've never really seen like a qsr restaurant let's say uh a qsr restaurant that's redundant um but like other than like booster juice maybe like i've never uh, yeah seen, like, okay. another brand like you know involve or like get like uh into that space let's say which is kind of interesting and like booster juice is one of those ones where it's like they've been kind of like that from the jump because that's like 
their niche and who they are. It's like protein shakes, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I yeah. felt like it was kind of an interesting move for Freshy and quite an innovative move because I felt like brands who don't leap in and explore other categories, even though it's not directly correlated, um, it's interesting to see them make those moves to try and expand their business. But we'd love Do to hear you- that one too. I'm, I'm curious just a follow-up question do you know if they're doing actual like vitamins and supplements as pills or is it going to be infused in like the food yeah i think it's i think it's like actual vitamins and mm, supplements okay. buy, like as if you were going to go to like uh like a, a health and wellness yeah like a, i forgot the names of them like a popeyes or something not like popeyes chicken but like the popeyes like supplement store Oh man, okay. I'm just thinking of like if I was like working at Freshie and they're like, "Yo, they're gonna start selling vitamins and supplements." Now you have to learn about this. I'd be like, "Fuck!" I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it gives the opportunity to like hire people in that space and like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? It's just like extra knowledge you have to now know as a cashier <laughs> there. <laughs> um, no, I think it's sweet. I think it makes sense. You know, Freshie is already pretty vegetarian, kind of vegan. They have meat substitutes that you can add, but their base products are like all kind of vegan and vegetarian, which is, you know, it aligns with that kind of health and wellness kind of lifestyle. I think especially during a pandemic where, you know, you want to boost your immune system. A lot of people are taking more vitamins and supplements in general. I think it just makes sense to kind of lean into that space. Um, I've seen other kind of brands kind of pivot. Well, like a lot of restaurants now, like focusing on meal kits, stuff they would have probably never thought of before. But like now where you're not able to eat at the restaurant, they need an additional source of revenue. So it's like, let's provide a meal kit so people could cook this dish that they loved at a restaurant at home. And yeah. I think just those examples are very sweet where it's like, let me think of how I can slightly pivot without going so far away from my brand, you know, a meal kit, vitamin and supplements, it's all within the same kind of umbrella. And let me try to roll that out. So I see this going super well for Freshy. Um, you come in, you get your, you get your bowl of food and then you find out that you can also buy vitamins and supplements and, you find out why they're helpful, a little bit of product knowledge from the person that works there. So I, I, I don't see this falling flat. I think it's a perfect kind of avenue for them because it's all within the same umbrella of health and wellness as their vision yeah. for Freshie. It's cool because it's like, you know, it's not something that would be like typical. Like I've never really seen a move like this be made before, but it like it goes to show that like the – yeah, like the leadership is like, okay, like there's an opportunity here to to jump in on this and, you know, live in this space and help shape some of like how that, you know, you know, creeps into the QSR industry, which I thought was like kind of like an interesting thing to share. Shout out to no, Freshie. Sure I'm going to get, a, I'll get a, a wrap. I'm going to get my vitamins and uh, <laughs> supplements too. Why not? Once no, yeah, I, I like that. Um, I want to see more examples of that. And I, I just kind of want to see how that uh, that turns out. I didn't know any store could just like sell. I don't know the like, legality behind it, but I'm sure they're going to figure that out. Beats me. Yeah, <laughs> straight up. Um, so Malik kind of alluded to it in the beginning of the episode, but we wanted to touch on some more, you know, positive. We want to do like a segment where we can you know, highlight positive things of the week or positive things of the month, whatever we kind of find that we can, you know, it's like uplifting news. I yeah. think, you know, we do have to call out, you know, the brand misses sometimes and, you know, diversity issues and all of that. Cause that's what 
you know, we need to do is just a reality. But I think we can also, you know, shed some time at the end of the podcast to just highlight some some positive news. So yes, sir. Um, what I have here, you know, the kind of Google, they've had a, you know, a vaccine ad that was trending a few days ago. And basically, you know, the ad is very simple in its form, but it's like a farewell to virtual lockdown activities. So it's basically just showing like uh, search activity on a Google search bar. And it's like, you know, beginning of the pandemic, you're searching for things like, um, you know, uh, remote team building activities and stuff like that, that you have to do virtually. And then now it's showing, you know, as we have the vaccine rollout, you can start to look at in-person activities again and searching uh, like family events and park hangouts and, and things like that. And, you know, very kind of, you know, uplifting Uplift. music. I think it was just a great, it made me smile when I watched it. It yeah. was like, okay, the end is near, you know, we just, we're almost there. We're showing a bit of, you know, a light at the end of the tunnel. And yeah, I just kind of want to highlight that, you know, just a good feel good ad that Google. Yeah, put man. And, and the thing that I liked about that is like, it was different from like other like COVID style ads. Like Google's like not there to like sell any type of products. Like we're really going to just use it anyways. But like it was, it was a moment where I remember, yeah, to your point, like I was watching it and I was like, I'm like trying to criticize this one because like <laughs> that's where I go. But like it was a nice yeah. ad. And then like, you know, I, I felt like it was like actually uplifting and mm-hmm. it's for something so simple, so easy to do. Um, they, they really did a great job with that one. And, you know, it's, it's nice to, you know, start thinking about the light at the end of the tunnel and and having any type of communications from brands that like, I think I wouldn't mind hearing from, like, I love hearing from like the the Googles and stuff like that, but like the post COVID ads, like are going to be an entirely different thing for now. You know, really nice, like tie up to be like, it's a light at the end of the tunnel and you know, it's coming soon. And, um, watching that kind of put a smile on my face as well. So it, it was a good one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And as we, you know, I, I want to do this every episode if we can. So, you know, if people come across, you know, an ad or a moment, brand, anything that kind of like makes you smile, it's positive, just like send it to one of us or send it to the Mad Mix page on Instagram. And we'll we'll try to kind of highlight that because we got to highlight the good as well as call out the bad, you know? 100%. All right. That was what, episode 11? Epi 11. Jeez, man. We're, <laughs> we're gunning through these, man. We got, you know, a full year left. We basically have like two, three quarters left in the year. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of really solid guests lined up. Um, some ones that we're really excited about. Of course, uh, to Dak's point, if you have anything specific that you want us to mention on future episodes or in future episodes, rather, um, Drop us a line. Slide in the DMs. You can hit us up individually. You can hit us up on our page. We'll get back to you. Uh, And if you want to be on the show, even better, hit us up and and we'll talk from there. Annika's probably listening to that being like, oh. (laughs) For for five small payments of $19.99, you can be on the next Madness Madness podcast episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) NFT purchase the next Madness episode. But that was was episode 11. Thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned, and uh, we'll be back with some more heat in the coming weeks. Peace. Peace.